0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie, and my partner,
1: Marcus, Frankie, what is up? We have officially entered the tennis-dreaded off-season. Yeah,
0: this is the slowest time of year, but don't you worry, listeners of Breakpoint Podcast. We have some exciting content uh, on the way for you guys. So, first... Let's wrap up the 2022 season. And this is honestly, Marcus, I was just talking about this. This is my favorite episode of the year to do. I love wrapping up. I love the award show. Like This is my favorite episode that we do all year. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, it definitely is because you get the, you know, throughout the year, so many things happen, so many things change on the fly and our predictions kind of go haywire and You know, all these things going on, but now it's like, okay, the dust has settled. 22 has happened. Uh, We know who's, you know, who's done what throughout the year. Now it's our chance to kind of decompress, talk about what happened this year. Um, And yeah, also shout out to Canada for winning Davis. No
0: one cares. Anyway. So it's true. No one cares. I mean, what a waste of an event. The World Cup is going on. Football is going on. Why in God's name was that I, put I, on now? I, that's whatever. why I, just, I snuck that in. I had to. <laughs> just like no one cares. Anyway, let's move on to the awards. Marcus, I am going to start us off with most improved. Who is your first nomination? We'll do three to four nominations in total for each of the categories. So I'll do two, maybe Marcus will do one, Marcus will do two, maybe I'll do one,
1: whatever. Two that come right off the bat for me in my mind. Uh, first guy who actually I just told you a minute right before we started recording was Casper Uh Two-time Grand Slam finalist and also World Tour Finals finalist. Uh, two of these events, one of them being on a clay court, which we you know sort of expected at the French Open. Uh, But two events on, you know, on a U.S. Open hardcourt, which is slightly faster, and they started him off on court 12, Uh, the disrespect. So for him to go from court 12 to the finals of the Open, shout out to Casper. Yeah, Frank.
0: Don't even need to nominate for the biggest disrespect of the year. It's the U.S. Open putting
1: Casper on court 12. As a five seed first round. Yep. U.S. Open, you dropped the ball there. Uh, And then making the finals of the world, the the finals of the world tour finals on an indoor hardcourt in Turin, Italy. Very impressed by that. I thought he had a great year. Yeah, he had a couple of uh, a sluggish tournaments, but otherwise, he worked himself his him he worked himself up to number two in the world. Mightily impressive. Uh, definitely didn't expect that for that to happen. Um, and the second guy that came to mind, Frank, is Carlos Alcaraz. I mean, he's probably going to be winning a lot of or being nominated for a lot of awards for this show. But I mean, the guy just totally dominated. Won a couple of Masters titles. Beat Deter, uh Sorry, Djokovic. Nadal, back-to-back in Madrid, wins his first uh, U.S. Open title, youngest world number one. I mean, what else is there really to say?
0: Yeah, no, going to be hard to argue against either of those two nominations. I I have to really sort of agree. Um, that. Yeah, this is a tough one. Uh, To be honest, I think this might be the hardest one to really try to pick a certain person for, I I don't, I mean, listen, I I want, and I'm saying it's the hardest one to pick a person for because I, I'm trying not to, um, (laughs) I'm trying not to double up on awards. Um, you know, but yeah, we're trying not to pick Carlos (laughs) Alcaraz for
1: everything, basically.
0: Yeah, no, that's, I'm not going to lie to you. That is, that is literally the correct thing to say. Uh, I will nominate one more person who actually will be my vote so I could avoid giving Carlos everything. Holger Rune is going to be my pick who won a masters 1000 finished the year at 11 in the world. Can you say that again for our listeners? Holger Rune, you heard me. You heard me. I know. Uh, Yeah. I, I think Holger has made me and many of his other critics eat his words at just 19 years old, cracking the top 12 top 10. I think by the end of the year is a fantastic achievement. So, you know, good for him. Uh, I, I think that's mightily impressive. And, and as we've said on this podcast many times before, we're always happy to be wrong uh, and we, we're happy when a player does, in fact, prove us wrong. My other nominee, uh, another person I think deserves a very big shout out is Tommy Paul. Tommy Paul had a fantastic year, had some really, really nice results, got himself within the top 30, made the what round of 16 or the quarters of the U S open. So, you know, he, he did, he did a really, really nice job, super balanced player, really, really like him. Uh, and then I'm actually just going to break the rule that I just mentioned. I'm going to nominate a third person, uh, Taylor Fritz, who won Indian Wells this year, made the top eight. It's awesome. I'm really happy for him. Another guy, super great all around game. I I I really like all of these guys. I think they've all done a tremendous job this year of improving. I got one more honorable
1: mention, uh Nick Curios.
0: Yeah, honestly, that's beyond an honorable mention. That should be a nominee. I will knock out Taylor Fritz becomes my honorable mention. I will second you on the Curios nomination. I agree there. Yeah, I mean you 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 can't not have him there. I mean grand slam finalist is a, obviously a tremendous achievement on its own. Everything that he was able to accomplish this year uh, like the closest semblance to consistency that we've ever seen Nick have, the complete mentality change really also I, I think there's a lot of positives for Nick to take from this year as well as, you know, he's he's going to feature very importantly I think in our 2023 preview podcast. I think Nick will be a very prominent feature there. Um, whereas the rest of this podcast history, Nick has really just been like a footnote or a warning for the rest of these younger players. Is like, oh, this is what you shouldn't do. But yeah, that's a fantastic shout.
1: Yeah, no, I just didn't want to, didn't want to leave the brother out had a fantastic year, you know, played great at the open Wimbledon, obviously. So, you know, give credit where credit is due. Frank, let's move on to, uh, let's do comeback player of wait, the year. Wait, 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 we have oh. to pick, we have to pick. Oh, we got! Oh, now we got to pick. Who's our um, most approved?
0: In an effort to not give all of these to Carlos Alcaraz, I will. I will go with Holger Rune.
1: I'll go with Casper Rude.
0: I'm fine with Casper Rude.
1: Yeah, I'm fine we'll, with Casper Rude. We'll I, both- I
0: think I think that what Casper Rude did is far more difficult than what Holger Rude did, because Holger went from being like player with high potential to realizing most of that potential. And Car- Casper Rude went from being like, oh, this guy's at his ceiling to, nope, this is actually not my ceiling. And went even higher than we thunk- thought possible. So, yeah, I'm I'm always happy. I I I mean, we all know how I feel about Casper, how you feel about Casper. Uh, I'm happy to give this to him.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's fair game. We'll go with the Scandinavian boys for that one. So, Frank, let's move on to now. We can move on to... Uh, comeback player of the year. Hit me with your nominees. Uh, Nick Kyrgios.
0: Nick Kyrgios got to be my first nomination that you just mentioned it. I think that's a great, I think this is the award that I do want to give him. I think he's done a really, really nice job of sort of, uh, you know, uh, making all of these improvements to his game. And he was largely injured slash absent for the COVID years. So a big shout out to him. I think he did a really, really nice job um, not to steal. I'll let you go first. I have my second nominee as well, but you could go first.
1: So for this one, I actually only have one nominee. Uh, and that's for me going to be Borna Korch. That
0: was exactly who I was about to say. Yes. That's why I wanted to give it to you. So we didn't. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah.
1: So the, the, and the reason behind it, and Frank, you'll go into more detail as well, is because Borna had, I uh, believe torn labrum or torn rotator cuff some very intense very very intense shoulder surgery where he was all out for almost a year uh he comes back onto the tour takes out was it svarev i believe he beat at some point he beat a couple of top players on these hard yeah i mean he won
0: a masters 1000
1: yeah (laughs) what did he
0: win cincinnati right yeah Yeah, that's
1: crazy yeah which was which was bizarre and uh we saw him jump back into the top 30 where he belongs so big shout out to to Borna coming from you know pretty much almost no ranking just using his protected ranking to get in some of these draws to to making him you know making himself a good uh, good end of the year run here
0: yeah borna koric in this case this year is the perfect argument for why the protected ranking exists you know it's not for older players to take a sabbatical and then come back and, you know, just have this high ranking for not really any reason whatsoever. It's for guys who are... <laughs> it's for guys like, uh, for Borna who is basically the tennis equivalent of Derek Rose at this point, you know, where a really crucial part of his body, in the same way that Derek Rose tore his ACL, Borna tore his... Labrum, I think you're right, and his rotator. I mean, he just had like basically his whole arm was effed up. <laughs> it's just his whole arm was gone, and for him to make the comeback that he did as rapidly as he did, as well, like once he started playing matches again, I think is really a tremendous achievement. Especially when you compare that sort of injury to somebody like Dominic Team, who is still struggling to get back and and has really, you know, gone through the rungs a little bit. But yeah, I, I think. I'm happy to just sort of end this one here because we did five for the last one. I think it's Borna Korich. I, I, I I, 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 I know that I initially said Nick Kyrios, but I mean now when I think about Born a Story, it's just like yeah, this guy's got to be, got to be the dude.
1: Yeah, no, no, no contest for me. No, no disrespect to Nick, but no contest for me on this
0: one. I, Nick Kyrios got nominated for two things so far, two for two in categories. Just so kind of shows you that this guy had a tremendous tremendous year uh let us do let's do young player of the year let's do that all right my first nominee we'll get the two easy ones out of the way and i think this is kind of a this is a this is a two-way race <laughs> let's just let's just skip to it huh it's carlos and holger Rune, right that's got to be the nominees um at some point we've got to give something to carlos uh, this will not be it for me. I'm going to give this one to Holger Rune. I will give this one to Holger Rune.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with you there. I'm going to have to give this one to Carlos because he's doing things at the age of 19 that no one in tennis history has ever done. So that is not just only young player of the year, but like young player ever at this point. That kind of trumps Holger's run. No, and no disrespect. I love what Holger did at the end of the no, year. No, I'm
0: I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I you will get no disagreement from me. I just don't want to give every single award to Carlos Alcaraz. So in the tradition of like a soccer thing where like if somebody wins young player of the season, they can't win player of the season. um, I will not give him young player of the season. I will instead choose to give him. um, I will give him young. I will just I will not give him young player. of the season. I will give that to Holger Rune. This is I'm not doing baseball rules. Baseball rules. You could win rookie of the year and, and MVP in the same year. That's fine. I'm not going to do that though. I don't want to
1: double up. Yeah. It the pro I, I it just I have to double up. It's just so ridiculous. But, All
0: right. We'll split we'll split yeah, the we'll, decision. We'll split That's there. fine. That's I'm fair. fine to split the decision. I have no problem with that what whatsoever. Um do we got Marcus, to... you could pick next. You could pick next.
1: Cool. Let's go with Uh let's go with tournament of the year, Frank. What was our tournament of the year what was it
0: yeah this is one i was thinking about a lot for me it comes down i mean i'll, I'll do my nominations obviously i think it's a grand slam right i think we're both in agreement it's got to be one of the grand slams um for me the ones that i'm really thinking about and i'm trying to avoid recency bias is another big thing I'm thinking about Wimbledon and the U S open. Those are the two ones that are coming to mind. I understand the Australian open. I get it. That was a phenomenal tournament, but it's also really, really hard for me to give that tournament of the year when I just can't physically watch so much of it (laughs) because of the time difference. So it's very difficult for me to like give that tournament of the year, but, yeah i mean i'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts, but those are the three that come to mind as the the best tournaments of the year so far.
1: So I am going to pick the Australian because uh even though we didn't get to watch too much of it due to our time zone restrictions here in America, uh we did get to see Rafael Nadal pull off the impossible uh and there are some people who did get to to watch those matches, and we watched highlights and certainly at least one time stayed up to watch a match late. Um, so the Australians won for me. I'll give a shout out, and you know what? I'm gonna nominate it. Uh the Madrid Masters, I thought was a phenomenal tournament because of the outbreak of yours truly. Uh Carlos Alcaraz beating Agreed. N- Nadal and Djokovic in a row and kind of putting like everybody on the map. Like I remember that was like must-watch television. I usually don't watch that tournament that intently. I remember blocking off my my Saturdays and Sundays to watch that that was for me a huge tournament and a huge turnaround for for tennis this year,
0: yeah, I mean I can't i I would say easily Madrid was the best masters one thousand that I will agree with you on. I'm just kind of looking through the Australian open because the the u s open I remember I mean that was right here Wimbledon same sort of thing I remember most of that. I'm just looking through the Australian Open. The Australian Open, you know, we got... I mean, we got some... These are good match. I'm not going to debate you. as good matches. We got the Sinner-Sitsipas quarter. That was a wipeout. The faa Daniil Medvedev quarter. That was a good one. That was a five-setter. monfee Baratini. that was a five-setter. Chapo and Nadal, that was another crazy five-setter. The only thing was that the semifinals of this tournament kind of sucked. This was the Medvedev-Sitsipas one where Medvedev just, like, whacked him. Yeah. <laughs> but, but at that moment where he's like, your father could talk every point. Like <laughs> That whole nonsense. Yeah. And you know, what um, it was,
1: you know what's also with the Australian... Obviously, the final. The final that was the best final yeah. of the year. No doubt.
0: Yeah. Home run. Best final yeah. of the year.
1: We didn't even put that on our awards, but that is final we,
0: of the year. I, well, we have match uh, of the year. We have we match, match of
1: the year. Of the year. Cool. Yeah, yeah, so, Yeah. But, um, uh, Another storyline with the Australian, Frank, that we need to mention was the whole COVID joke. The COVID respect. thing, yeah. Yeah, sure.
0: I uh, mean, no, I wasn't more. even thinking about that. I was more thinking about, like, the quality of tennis that was being played. Um, I am going to go with the U.S. Open. That is my pick. I think that the U.S. Open, for me, had... It, it, the U.S. Open, for me, has two of the top five matches of the year in it. With sinner Alcaraz and Tiafoe Alcaraz both of those matches for me were unreal I mean you I could even extrapolate further go with the Kyrgios and Kachanov match that was another fantastic Tiafoe
1: beating Nadal I mean
0: Tiafoe Nadal another sick match um uh, what's the what's the other one that I'm trying to think of right now oh Chilich Alcaraz that was another thriller (laughs) like I mean there was just match after match after match oh sinner and um I mentioned it on the last podcast. Ivashka. Ivashka. Senor <laughs> Ivashka. That was another crazy man. Like there was just five yeah. setter after five setter after five setter after five setter. I have to pick this U.S. Open. I think it has to be the U.S. Open. Yeah. It was just insane. The storyline is the same thing. Like, yes, Nadal obviously winning 21 is or 22 was, was it unreal, right? Out of nowhere. But at the same time, Youngest, one of the youngest Grand Slam champions ever, and Carlos Alcaraz getting world number one at the same time, like winning all these matches, like in five set, like it was just insane. And the night, like the U.S. Open, the crowd, like for me, it's got to be the U.S. Open.
1: Yeah, for me too. And we we've got some bias. We just can't. We just can't deny it. I mean, I no, I've, I I said it the at US the start NBA of it. Boys, I
0: acknowledge. Bro. I acknowledge a my own bias for my hometown tournament. And B, the recency bias of it, too. It was the last tor- big tournament that we saw. But, you know, unfortunately, that's the way that the cookie crumbles. That's so, suck, suck. But, yeah, <laughs> I think it's the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open was particularly lights out this year. I, I've got to give it to it. But um, let's move on
1: to, well, I
0: guess we're on topic. Match of the year. Let's just go right to that. Um, actually, before we do match of the year, I changed my mind. I don't want to end on this. I want to save match of the year and player of the year are the best ones. So we'll save those. Biggest disappointment of the year. This is the one we were debating a little bit before we got on here. Uh, My first nomination for disappointment of the year is going to be Stefano Tsitsipas, who, after getting to the finals of the French Open in 2021, I thought would make that jump this year and really push hard for a grand slam. And that just did not really happen. He just kind of middled his way through won some clay masters one thousands and you know got beat up by carlos at every single stage basically so i'm curious to hear your thoughts
1: yeah and 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 i think we should preface that with like disappointment of the year when we rattle off these stats they're probably going to sound like oh wow he had a really good year but we're talking about the expectations of what we expect of these players i think we need to make that clear to our listeners so for example like Frank mentioned, Yannick Sinner, we're expecting this guy to make a jump into the top eight, even potentially the top five, and to contend for a slam. And then he ends the year at what was it, 15 in the world? Uh, he went 47 yeah. and 16. He won a title. Very, you know, if if I just read you that stat, you would think, wow, you know, Yannick had a great year. I would love to have a year like that, but that's not what we're expecting. Of Yannick, mine, my nominee besides uh, Tsitsipas as well uh daniel medvedev um we we expected more of him following his 2021 u.s open victory he did make the finals of the australian where a crazy nadal just somehow pulled it together and beat him but after that kind of had a mediocre year yeah he got a little injured midway through but we were kind of expecting him to do more damage at the end of the year and hard courts kind of lost it also played poorly at the world tour finals um, a little bit of a disappointing year for him, in my opinion. That's where I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that.
0: I think it was a very disappointing year, actually, because again, if we're using this barometer of expectations versus reality, we expected Daniil Medvedev to lock up every single hard court major this year, right? We expected him to win the Australian, which you know, fair enough, great result at the Australian was this close, you know, that no shame, but U.S. Open really not super impressive right goes down to uh to curios and you know it it just it's just disappointing you know it's just disappointing that's all from daniel you know and even the masters 1000s wasn't able born a cordage won cincinnati right? like that's a little bit of a crazy result for that to happen and and these were matches and tournaments that daniel just had locked down last year that you know he just didn't have this year and it was very surprising. And he was a guy that I expected to take advantage of Novak Djokovic not being for the North American swing and he just didn't. So yeah, I think, I think Daniel is a very, very legitimate shout. There are two players that I also want to talk about. Number one uh, is Dominic team who, despite his injuries and everything, I know you're giving me the pursed lips. I, I, I find it really hard to not nominate him here, given the comebacks that we've seen from other players. It's just been a really long time now, and maybe it's a little too harsh to give him disappointment of the year, and by no means am I saying that he is the disappointment of the year, but I think it's not fair, and it would be biased of us, because we like him, to not at least mention him in this category.
1: (sighs) That's a tough one though because wrist injuries are I- incredibly tricky, inclusive of his style, and I and I don't think it would honestly be fair to like compare that to like a Borna Court situation, who doesn't necessarily rely on power and and spin and kind of excessive force through his shoulder, kind of the way that Team does within his game. Like you know, we all know how Team plays. He's gonna crack the ball as hard as he can with as many RPMs and that's going to require his wrist to be literally, I mean in perfect shape. And now that it's not, you can see some technique changes. I thought he got progressively better throughout the year um, when he came back. And I'm sure there was also a mental hurdle. I'm not sure that I would include him in disappointment of the year, but you know, that's just my opinion. Yeah.
0: I think he deserves a mention. I don't think he by any means is he even in the top three, but I think he deserves a mention. The last player that I wanted to talk to you about um is the same, same logic with Matteo Barrettini. That's another one that people I know are going to mention. Matteo was injured for so much of this year. I think it's really tough to include him. I think if it continues into next year, then this is a different conversation, but Matteo kind of got screwed by some of the grass court tournaments, not counting for, um you know, points. So tough. But the next person that I wanted to talk about with you is somebody that you dislike greatly. And that's Dennis Shapovalov, who finished the year at 18 in the world. And he's somebody that I think of as like a perennial, like top 15, pushing top 10 player. So to see him finish 18th in the world is kind of disappointing, right? Like you think of this guy, he has a lot of potential. You know, he was basically, you know, people thought of him like, right next to FAA that there was a very small gap between the two and now all of a sudden there's this 12 spot ranking gap between FAA who's now up to six in the world and Denis Shapovalov who's at 18 so there seems to be like a pretty big level of separation between the two and then you factor that in also right Marcus just spoke about Davis Cup no one cares but Denis Shapovalov lost to Lorenzo Sonego at Davis Cup against Italy, and almost cost his team the tie because they went to a doubles of uh, doubles finals rubber with Fognini and Berrettini versus uh, FAA and Vasek Pospisil, and they were able to win that in a super tiebreak. So, I I just I understand that we don't necessarily have the highest expectations for him, but I do think that he's better than than what he showed this year.
1: You just said it for me. Because there's no expectations, or at least I have none, he didn't disappoint me. I This is exactly where I expect Dennis Shapovalov to be, Frank. And I see you laughing there. This is exactly where I meant this is This is who he is. This is who he is. Um, if anything, I would pick FAA. Because we, we want FAA to be in slam contention. And he's just dropping the ball and just winning, like, 250s and 500s to get his ranking up. No disrespect to that, but...
0: That's tough, though. That's a tough... That's a tough one. He finally won a tournament. He finally won a tournament. He was 0 for 8 or 0 for 9. Fair, fair. Fair, yeah. All right, fair. Yeah, fair. I mean, also, listen. Again, I think FAA had the same sort of goal as Yannick Sinner, which was finish within the top eight to qualify for world tour finals and faa actually did that so i have to give him that like yeah. i have to give him credit for that finishing in the top eight is a may is a major accomplishment like that's a fantastic achievement and he did it fair enough to him he was consistent enough throughout the year that's something we talked about in the run-up to the atp finals was that this this tournament is a reward for consistency. These are the most consistent players all year. And FAA put himself in that conversation. So I give him credit for that. Yannick Center was not consistent throughout the year. Yannick Center showed up at all of the majors. We got to the quarterfinals of every single major this year, I think, except except Australia. Maybe he got around to round of 16. But he did had a phenomenal run at all of these majors, lost to people who were definitely better than him at every single turn. But at every one of these other tournaments where we expect him to clean up and he should be winning and he won six titles in one year, not so long ago, he was dropping the ball and he was only able to win one tournament this year. It just can't really happen that way. He's, he's gotta be a little bit more consistent. So I, I am with, um, I am with you, but for biggest disappointment of the year, I am going to vote for Daniel Medvedev. That is my final pick.
1: Yeah. I'll, I'll go with Medvedev too. Yeah. Yeah, I think when you couple
0: expectation, two slams, reality, one final that was close, and a quarterfinal round of 16, whatever it was, bomb out, tough. I mean, that's a really tough one to...
1: 0-3 at the World Tour Finals.
0: Yeah, and then getting bounced at the World Tour Finals, which is a tournament that last year we probably would have picked him to do quite well, if not win. Yeah. You know, so I I don't know. I, I... Daniil's got to go back to the drawing board a little bit. So, let us do match of the year. Marcus, I think I've already said two nominations of mine, which was Tiafoe Nadal. Uh, no, not Tiafoe Nadal. That could be one, though, too. That was a great match. Tiafoe Alcaraz. And uh, what was the other one I said? Oh, Alcaraz Center. That was the other one. Those, those are two nominations for me. I actually have another one that I want to discuss, but... You could go ahead and list some of yours.
1: I can't argue with those. I would nominate those as well if I went first. Um, I mean, Nadal Medvedev Australian Open final—that's that's, that's got to be in there. Um, I mean, I I, I mean the, 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 those three are so strong that it's really tough to like
0: Novak Center at uh, Wimbledon the comeback
1: yeah also epic yeah but it doesn't I don't know it doesn't hit as hard as like the other ones just because the the Nadal one for me hits most because we did not expect him to win that tournament at all he's only won one Australian Open in his career which was in 2009 and in the last couple of years he's kind of been flaking out there with injuries or just hasn't played well and for him to beat medvedev who you know asserted his hardcore dominance you know prior to that was just mind blowing to to you know take over the record and then you know he goes on to win the french etc but like i mean also the sinner the, the, the tia the tiafo alcaraz one you know american you know semi-final under the lights at the u.s open like that one was ah oh, man it's so tough to pick but go, go ahead and nominate another one
0: yeah, I was going to say my last nomination, whether you could believe it or not, and I think it would have been the clear match of the year had it finished, is Zverev and Nadal. Zverev and Nadal's semifinal of Roland Garros was shaping up to be an epic match. Like, that was maybe, that was probably the best set of tennis that we had this entire year, to be honest. It was just phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal viewing uh, to, to, to watch. It was, it was really, really spectacular.
1: Yeah, that's an uh, that's barely. Uh, I mean, it's it's an honorable mention just because the match didn't finish, unfortunately. Yeah, no, this is by um, no means. This is I yeah, that, yeah. that will
0: not be match of the year. It can't be. But yeah. I'm saying, like, for an honorable mention, that was actually probably the highest level of tennis that we had this year, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, if we want to break it down by set, yeah. I mean, although Carlos Sinner also could be an argument, but uh, but yeah, I, I think we're pretty set on on those three. Um, that's going to be Alcaraz, Center, Alcaraz, Tiafo, and then Nadal, Medvedev at the Australian. So who are we going with? Got to pick one. So tough.
0: I think this is the... I, I know we mentioned it earlier. This is actually now that I'm kind of really digging into it. This is probably the toughest one. I'm thinking about the match that when I was watching it, whether it be in person or on TV was putting my my stomach in knots and, you know, really making me, like, I was just tensing up as I watched it. And for me, I will go with... I just changed my mind. I'm going to just go for it. I'm going to just go for it. Tiafo Alcaraz. I'm going to go with Nadal Medvedev. Yeah, I can't. I mean, listen, I don't I don't think there's a wrong answer. I don't you think there's a wrong answer. Like, these were all three phenomenal matches. These were phenomenal, phenomenal matches. And I wish, I mean, you mentioned Madrid earlier. I wish that Madrid was three out of five sets because one of those matches in that Carlos Alcaraz run to the title probably would have been the match of the year. And I think for the three-set match of the year, it would be the Nadal-Alcaraz semifinal that occurred. Where Alcaraz for the first time was able to beat Nadal, that would be my three-set match of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, also an honorable mention. So you know what that means, Frank. Since we're so indecisive sometimes, we're gonna have to ask some polls to our listeners on Instagram and on Spotify. So, um, guys, get ready for that, uh, Frank. Otherwise, anything else do we want to chat about? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, covered it all. Well, right? We
0: will. We will very briefly do this. Player of the year. Let's just say it together on three. One, two, three. Carlos, Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah, no discussion no has got to be Carlos. First time Grand Slam champion, number one in the world at 19 years old. Insane. An
1: I argument think could be is... made.
0: Huh? Or an argument could be made for Nadal. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. I think you could argue Nadal. He won two of the four majors this year. And Novak also, to be fair, Novak was eligible for two majors this year, and he won one of them.
1: So, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, but uh, Carlos is kind of the the clear choice.
0: I think when you factor in the season as the whole, on the whole, what it meant that title, and his consistency throughout the season and his improvement throughout the season, I think you got to give it to Carlos. I, I think it's just really really difficult to not give it to carlos it's impo- It's impossible it's impossible yeah. the guy is a machine he's a ledge he's already cemented himself as one of you know one of the greatest players that i've ever seen personally so you know he, he
1: he's a freak and yeah. i expect big things from him next year and he can't even buy a beer in the u.s yet insane Uh, folks, that's going to wrap it up for us here. Like Frank and I just mentioned, we're going to be having some polls running on Instagram and Spotify respond. Let us know your thoughts. We're curious to hear your thoughts and also your arguments. If you want to come on the pod and, you know, argue with us or, you know, kind of let out your viewpoint, we're more than happy to do that. We've got time on our hands. Tennis season is over. Frank and I would love to discuss some topics. Um, Otherwise, we've got some cool content coming up for you in the next couple of weeks fed talking everything about Roger fetter Uh we'll take a quick Christmas Christmas Jesus Christmas break. I might have to edit that one out. Uh and then we're going to be back at it with 2023. Um Frank, where where are we on social media? Please remind our folks. You can find us at
0: Breakpoint Podcast 7, pretty much everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, it's all there. It's all Breakpoint Podcast 7. It's very easy. Uh, as Marcus mentioned, we'll be doing some sort of like Fed December celebration, like for Roger, uh, who was obviously a major part of my life and and Marcus's life as well. And the other thing that we will do outside.